Welcome to the Rehydrate Interview Series, a form for discussion around Lewis Hitchens' Remembrance of Earth's Past series. My name is Dan. Each episode, I will be speaking with a guest about their thoughts and experiences on reading this series. Spoiler warning for listeners, this episode will contain spoilers for all of the three-body problem, the dark forest, death's end, and any other media that we happen to discuss. Today, I'm joined by Josh. Welcome, Josh. Hey, thanks. Thanks for inviting me to be on this. This is cool. So yeah, maybe we can start with a little background on yourself. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, like you said, my name is Josh. I live in uh, Buffalo, New York, and uh, I make music. That's like my my thing. And I also happen to really enjoy science fiction and lately science fiction uh, novels. So yeah, let's get into uh, a little bit your your background in science fiction reading. So is this your first science fiction series that you're into or, did, or did, had you been like a reader in, in previously? It's probably this, I've got to say this is probably the first series that I've really gotten into reading wise. I've only started like starting reading science fiction maybe in the past couple of years. Mm. Other than that, I think maybe and i didn't probably didn't even realize i was going to be reading like that it was going to be science fiction at the time but it was like kurt vonnegut stuff i, I read a couple of his books that had sci-fi elements that really got me interested in it but this is probably the first serious like science fiction and hard science fiction thing i've read that's cool and so how did you find out about this series specifically uh <clears throat> So I think what I was doing was I, so I've, I listened to a lot of science-y type podcasts actually mm. uh, before I started reading any science fiction. So I've always had like the, the interest in like astrophysics and stuff just as like a light, you know, hobby type thing. But I'll listen to like sure. Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast or there's a couple others and they, sometimes they would they would mention like science fiction books in passing and, and it got me interested, like maybe I would enjoy it. So I went out looking for a science fiction book that would be like heavy on the science part of it. And I was coming up with, uh, with three body problem. And I, I think the first book, I actually got it from the library and started reading it that way. So that's how I ended up reading these books. Cool. And so you read the, the paperback? Uh, I, well, what did I do? I think I actually, uh, got it on my Kindle. I think I used the, okay. through the library. I, I used like Libby and right. or overdrive and was able to get it that way. And then I think I did a combination of both. I was like in and out of getting the eBooks, but then there would be a long wait to get it. So I would in the meantime, right. get the paperback. So I did both. I think the sec and actually I think the dark forest was mostly audiobook that I listened mm. to most of it. Yeah, I had, I had the same experience, actually. Um, so I actually read, I, I, I listened to The Three-Body Problem for the first time because I'm also really into podcasts. And mm-hmm. um, I kind of ran, I, I had a long like road trip ahead of me. And I was like, well, I'll just listen to an audiobook. And then like I was looking for recommendations. And I, I heard about this. And so I, I listened um, uh, to, to the audiobook. 
Uh, I th- I don't know. Like to me, like the experience uh, isn't as good as an audiobook because, like, I don't know, you, you kind of like lose focus. You know, like you're paying. Yeah. You're not. You're not always thinking about it. Uh, was that your your experience as well? Yeah, that's funny. It was a that was totally my experience because I know the Dark Forest was mainly on audiobook, mm. and I kind of I feel like spe- maybe even specifically with with this book being like the that it's a a, a Chinese translation. I think listening to it and like the characters' names, maybe I was having a harder time. And this is goes with all audiobooks too. Just uh, keeping track of the characters and what's actually happening in the story. When I and when I read it in front of me, I just comprehend it a little bit better. And and also I think a big part of it is that when a, a paragraph, I can go back and reread that paragraph, reread that page two, right. three times if I need to. What you could do on an audiobook. But I would be, it would be almost like in the background for me and it would not be super convenient and easy to rewind to the exact spot. So I would have to agree with you. I had the same type of experience. Yeah, I I, I felt like the thing, especially for the names and stuff, like, yeah, the, yeah, the audio, like the names are, are kind of hard to remember, especially for, you know, non-Chinese audiences. Right. Uh, I had the same experience also with like Game of Thrones when I was watching the TV show. Like there's so many characters and like, oh. I didn't know who was who at the beginning. And then like, then I started reading the books and I was like, oh, okay, like, that makes more sense. Like you're just able to focus more, I think when you're, when you're reading. Oh, um, really? So you even found that with the same type of maybe issues you had with an audiobook you had with watching a TV series? I didn't. I didn't think, I think of that, but I, I have watched Game of Thrones and I would, I would always have to like go back and like, all right, I need a recap of this or like before the next season starts up, I'm like, I need to rewatch and get yeah. a recap because I can't keep track of the families and everything. I think like, in, yeah, especially in the first season or like the first couple of episodes and like, there's like there's so many people thrown at you and like, it's like yeah. a whole new world and like, you don't know what's happening and you get in, you know, and they're all in like kind of, you know, medieval stuff, you know dress or whatever and they all kind of look the same sometimes and it's like uh-huh. who is who and like yeah. yeah so i think i think like the books are able to, i was able to focus a lot more on like understanding who's talking because they have to say like you know bronze whatever you know <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah i don't know if you've ever had this too but i have this with books in general when i'm reading may i might get lost in thought or i might when i come to a dialogue section and something happens when i see those quotation marks and i know i'm reading dialogue i like mm. commit it to memory and i'm paying attention and i'll <laughs> realize like oh i wasn't paying attention to any of that <laughs> and then yeah. i have to reread i don't know that that does happen to me too like yeah i'll like be reading or you know like i don't know yeah it's i don't know like why that happens like you're reading it but you're not really reading it <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah uh, have you have you read other uh, Liu Cixin, uh novels at all besides the series no, I have not. I know he's got the other ones out there and I, I have them like, I'm like, I'll come around to him eventually. I know he's got a lot of short stories, but for some reason, I like, I don't know why I just have not like read any short stories. I'm like, there's too many other novels, like full stories I want to read first and then right. I'll get around to them. <laughs> yeah. And so for this series specifically, do you, which of the three books would you consider to be your favorite or do you have a favorite? Uh, yeah, I have a, it's definitely Death Ends. Death yeah. End for me. Yeah. <laughs> same, same. So, so oh, why, why do you consider that to be your favorite? It just, it is like, they're all like wild books and like really cool, but the Death's End, this, just this, the scale of it and the scope. And I had never read anything or even like heard any story that just like dealt with 
<laughs> concepts so large as Death's End. It, yeah, it's very memorable for me. Yeah, I remember when I, when I first when I first got it, like you you'd saw like the in the beginning like the list of the eras, you know, and you're looking at it, I was like, whoa, why did they get to like four billion? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah. how's that gonna work? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, when it, when they jumped ahead. What, whatever when they teased out 400 years until trisolarians arrive i was like oh man this is this is pretty wild we're going way in the future i had like <laughs> i had no idea what was in store yeah. um so i guess some, what are some of your favorite uh moments i guess from the either from death's end or from the whole series like what are the, some of the like when you think about the series like what are the sort of the big temple things that stick up in your mind i think the biggest thing maybe the, like one of them that had the biggest impact on me was uh in death's end when they get trapped in the death line or the yeah whatever it is the trap where they just start spinning around and they are stuck in that little like basically like a time warp for 18 million years i remember when i was reading that part in the book and and they're describing what it's like to be in inside the capsule and it's getting cold and dark and i just was getting just like a lot of the books do this, did this a lot to me. There would be lots of moments where I would just get like this pit in my stomach and I would just, (laughs) just like some indescribable uh, feeling that's like dread that just how they're stuck in that. That was probably one of my favorite parts from that book. And I think also like the realization that like, you know, she's so close to like, you know, meeting up with a Yun Tian Ming and like, then it's just like gone. Right. Like, (laughs) <laughs> millions of, or however many years pass right and when they're stuck in the, the those death lines then like you just know that like that opportunity is gone so like that makes it even more powerful i think yeah yeah it's, it's pretty wild though that they the the message that was left from who was it was it her friend aa right that she was the one that was on yeah the, they left her on the, on the planet blue or what or whatever yeah, they were yeah. able to leave the message for that. They were still able to read the message after so long. Yeah, yeah, I think they set it up when um, when they're on Pluto uh, and they are talking about like how oh, the only messages that like really you know, uh, stand the test of time is the is carving it in stone. So like I, right. that kind of set that up. Right, right on Pluto. Oh yeah, I almost forgot it. There's a lot like I have forgotten about. So like just today, I was kind of skimming through some of the wikipedias for for these stories and i was like oh my god i forgot about this i forgot about that but yeah pluto the uh all the paintings and everything they go down that was yeah i you know i had this after the first time i read it, i think there's just so much information in all three books that like i you know when i went to go reread it um and especially like when i started doing this podcast like kind of you know more studying like what happens like you know in the smaller chunks I had realized that I forgot a lot of stuff too. Like for some reason, like in the first book, there's the the whole like struggle between the the redemptionists and the Adventists and then the survivors. Like for some reason, that didn't even register with me when the first time I read it. Oh, uh, I guess like because like especially in Three Body of Problem, I, I feel like the pacing is is, is weird there, uh, and like they kind of dump a lot of information at at the very end, uh, and then it's just like, and then you're overwhelmed with like Project Sofan and and the listener chapters and like Operation Good Jung and all this stuff happens all at once, and it's yeah. like. I think some of the the more intricate details kind of get lost in first reading. So I think this series really benefits from multiple readings. I don't know. How, how do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I actually just maybe like a week or two. So a week or two ago, I started uh, rereading it, uh, Three Body Problems. So uh, And also what's cool is 
I found out about your podcast about the same time. So I've been listening to your oh, podcast cool. of with the reading of the book. So <laughs> I, awesome. I have to listen to the next, I think I'm three episodes of your podcast in it. So I, I'm up to one of the, one of the, I think it's the second time, the second game session of three body. Yeah. Is where yeah. I've read up to, um, and I'm listening to, your, to the podcast along with it, which is really cool. And, and um, I'm catching so much more. I already um, knew, like, right when I started, I was like, oh, this is, like, going to be a really good reread. Probably much better than the first read. I'm just really looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, there's a lot of, like, small details, like, even in the game that they that they – that, that there's there that i didn't catch and yeah so like the redemptionist versus the eventist and like this and, and like also like one of the things as like a, a person who's read the entire series like i catch like a lot of talk of like dimensionality throughout the entire um series right mm -hmm. and it, i don't know if he's like intentionally do that to set up like what happens at the very end of death's end with the the, the two-dimensional attack but like you know i think maybe that's just like a overarching theme for the entire series but it's there's a lot of those kind of references and I, yeah as you're reading you kind of catch those Oh, yeah. I don't know that I've, at least in my second read through yet, I'm not sure that I've caught, caught, picked up on any of those those hints yet. I'm not sure if they've come yet, but now I probably will. That'll be on the lookout for it. I, I might just be like overly thinking about it. Like every time like I have that ebook when I'm reading it now, I'm like, I'll yeah. highlight every time it says like dimensional, anything to do with dimensionality, I'll highlight it. You're like, oh, foreshadowing to the. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so when you read, one of the also things that struck me when I read Three Body Problem, um, you know, I I also like, went, like I said, I I was looking for a science fiction book, and this is like hardcore science fiction. I was like, great, that sounds sounds awesome. Yeah. And I picked it up and I started reading it, and it's like talking about the Cultural Revolution. I was like, what? Is this the right mm -hmm. book? Uh, yeah. Did you have that kind of experience as well? Yeah, totally. I was like, wait, I thought this was science fiction, and like, you, I could kind of tell like the in the writing of in of Xian Lu like that it was like okay like I can tell that this is sciencey type writing just the way that he like describes things mm. are so like analytical and rational and logical even the way that he describes emotions and things so I was like okay I know I, this I could tell this is could be a science fiction book but yeah there was a none of that in the beginning and I mean I still I wasn't like bored or turned off by the book, but I could see once I got really got into like where they go into the, the three body into the, the video game and the V suit, yeah. I was like, maybe, I don't know, maybe they didn't need that. Like maybe it could have been a, a more condensed kind of introduction and backstory, but I don't mind. I think after having read the whole series, I don't mind it. And I think it makes sense, but I, yeah. I wonder once the TV show comes around how they're going to do that. Cause if the whole first episode or two episodes are, are all cultural revolution, it might, you know, you, you might lead the audience into thinking it's, it's a different type of show than what it is. Right. And you don't really even know that the, that there's aliens in it until two thirds through the book. Maybe That's and even true. Then it's like, maybe <laughs> like, right. like it's not until like, actually like we get to, part three of the book where we were she starts talking about the you know sending the message and getting the messages back it's like oh okay aliens i get it but it's like up until then it's like 
yeah, we're not even sure they're coming. And yeah, that, I, I don't know how they're going to square that with, uh, right. with the TV audience. <laughs> That's so true. Because I did read, before I even started the series, I read, I didn't read any spoilers, but I, I read enough to know there was going to be aliens in it. <laughs> so mm. I think for me reading it, it was just building tension in it. And then it was finally like so satisfying when they introduced them. But but yeah, if somebody, let's say, you know, that this comes out on Netflix, I know nothing about it. I hit play and I'm watching it. Like <laughs> that would actually be great. Like what a shocker if you think you're watching one type of show and then all of a sudden you, there's aliens coming to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the other interviews I did for the series, um, it was a person who actually read the Chinese versions as well. And he had said that like in the Chinese version that they switched the order of the opening chapters and like the book actually opens with um, Wang Miao's chapters and then goes into the cultural revolution stuff, which I thought was pretty, pretty oh, interesting. Really? That yeah. is? Oh, that's crazy. I actually, as I'm reading the book now for, for the second time, and I'm like thinking about the, the TV series later, I am almost imagining something like that where it starts off with Wang's story but then they could periodically give you glimpses of the cultural revolution and kind of go back and forth like i've seen a, like a lot of series do that the, the one thing um uh, i'm also wondering how they're going to do is like how they're going to deal with Wang Miao in general like because he just after the first book just kind of disappears like that's weird <laughs> you know like in game of thrones they they killed ned sark at the end of the first season which is shocking yeah. but he's dead right Right. But this in this one, Wang Miao just like doesn't show up. Like Dasher mentions him in passing, like one time in, in the <laughs> in the later book, saying like, "Oh, I knew this guy one time." But like, I think that's going to be strange for for audiences as well. That is that is weird. Honestly, I kind of forgot about that part of it. <laughs> and as I'm like thinking now, I can't even remember like what happens doing in the end of the the first book. That's like, I kind of always like that with shows and and movies and stories, isn't that? if I watch a movie or I watch a TV series or I read a book two years later, I honestly don't even remember much about it. So when I rewatch it or reread it, it's like I'm reading it for the first time again. <laughs> that's that's nice. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of nice in a way, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes like, uh, you know, you'll, you'll like really like a TV show or, or something and you're like, I wish I could just like forget this entire thing and like just right. rewatch it fresh. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so do you have some, like, who are some of your favorite characters from the, the series? I know, you know what? I had thought about that before I, uh, before this, and I kind of came to the realization that I really wasn't like huge on characters in this series. I was really mm. more feeling the, the, the ideas and the science of it, but, and I don't know if that's anything to do with the writing, I wonder, or if it's just kind of the way that I approach books and these science fiction stories in general but you know i don't know none of them are, are super memorable to me yeah. and, and stand out i'm more in it for the the, the ideas <laughs> no I, I think that's fair i mean i think like his writing style is not really character forward you know it's yeah it's more yeah uh, science forward and like big ideas and, and and you know kind of big plot ideas um yeah. to me i think the only character who's like really there's two characters that are like really fleshed out would be um you know, Yo and Jia, first of all. She's like mm -hmm. I think she has the most backstory of everybody. And like her parts like where, you know, like we find out she's a commander, we find out she killed her husband, those kind of things. Those are like really huge moments for me in the first book. And and then I think like in the second book, like Lil G is is also 
pretty for, fully fully formed character as well. I think not to the level of Yoenji, but he he's up there too. Yeah, that that was all the he was the one that that really came to mind. Just to, hmm. just because of how badass the sword holder is, <laughs> yeah. just how freaking awesome he is as as the soul, sword holder. Yeah, thinking of like the, the, has a hundred year old some guy, you know, <laughs> like just sitting there like cross legged. Oh my god, yeah, that that was such cool imagery. And then to get such a stark contrast uh, for I and I, my pronunciations are horrible. I know you have the pronunciation guide, and I should have checked <laughs> it out. But I think Shen, Shen Jin. <laughs> oh yeah, Changshin. Yeah. yeah um, when she the stark contrast to her taking over. That was another moment you asked me earlier, like the big standout moments. And that was another one that did it for me was when she took over and immediately (laughs) (laughs) tried to try Slarens around on the move. That was crazy. Uh, And and another another part of the the book, another experience I had when reading that book was like um, some of the really big high concept stuff that I talked about, like especially when they introduced like Project Sofan or when they start talking about like the the four dimensional pockets um, or like even the two dimensional attack, like they're really, to me, it was hard to understand when I first first read it and I had to like go back and reread it. Um, it did you, I guess, like what was your experience reading those like really like high scientific uh, chapters? Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I don't think I went and reread it a lot. I, I was okay like reading through some really heady stuff, some heady sciencey, mathy, physicsy stuff. And then just being like, okay, I don't understand that, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like I trust that the author does and I'm just gonna like go with it. Like <laughs> but <laughs> some of but there were things, especially when 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 they're talking about the dimensionality things where they're trying to explain what it could possibly be like to experience four dimensions or to see a two-dimensional attack from 3d space like that was stuff that like kind of you know smoke coming out of my ears and (laughs) really be like what like trying to imagine that stuff is another just another reason that i i love these books and yeah i i wonder like um again for the tv show you know how much they're gonna try to explain that stuff or if they're going to try to dumb it down like and how are they going to film it like i I, even like the the project sofan stuff where they talk about a proton you know unfolding in from two or from 11 dimensions to two dimensions like what does that look like on the screen like yeah no imagine like you know two-dimensional attacks later on or that kind of thing yeah i mean some some of it like i i could like visualize a thing happen like with a the proton like unfolding or whatever like i could picture maybe something tiny minuscule blowing up to the size of bigger than earth but Mm. when yeah when they're talking about a person going into like four dimensions i'm like this is something in my mind that would not even be able to be explained in words so like how are we gonna do it with pictures on a (laughs) tv screen (laughs) i I don't even know. I'm I'm very curious to see how they how they go about that. Yeah. So, what are your general like? What's your feeling around the TV show? Like, are you apprehensive? Are you excited? I am to definitely being optimistic about it. I, okay. I need to be optimistic about it because I really want it to be great. <laughs> yeah. I, I think though, you know, like I love the Game of Thrones series and. 
I think those guys did a, a good job with especially the the first uh, handful of seasons where they had good yeah. pre-written material to go off of. They were not, you know, freestyling much of anything. I think if they go about it that, and as long as they include the this entire story, like they don't, I, I had heard people, uh, you know, debating, wondering if like, oh, you know, the, the TV series would end very well at the end of Dark Forest and they could leave out the whole third book. But I would be really, really disappointed if that was the case, if they, you know, if they totally. did something like that. Yeah, the the dark the death end is like the whole the whole reason I want to watch it because I want, mm-hmm. like yeah that book is the, every time like I even think about that book it's just like I'm like as I'm doing this podcast I'm like so eager for my my friends to like yeah experience it with me it's like because like I, I I like the revival problem but like I really really like death end so yeah absolutely yeah I got a bunch of people for christmas i got them this book i don't know if any of them will read it i don't even think any of them like science fiction but i got it anyways because i was like somebody needs to read this and and discuss it with me and be on the same page i i you know after i read the series i did i did the same thing at work with like a bunch of people i was like you have to read like everyone had like any kind of inkling to like me science fiction i was like you got to read this you got to read this and i got one person to do it, it, you did it. <laughs> I got I read the whole series <laughs> I got someone to do it too. The first person was actually, so like I, I make music and I hired someone to do the artwork for my, for my album. And I got him to read it and he's almost through uh, death's end now. So we've been talking about it as he gets through the story too. He knows about the podcast too, but he's, he's really afraid of spoilers. So like (laughs) just to hang out for a while, but he's almost done with it. Almost done with the book. Awesome. Well, if he wants to be interviewed, you know, send him my way. I'm happy to, I will. Talk, to talk to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, actually, I do want to talk about your music as well. Um, so I know you have a uh, concept album that was uh, based off of your experiences with the with the show. Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about like how that came about and you know, what your process was there? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the, the songs I kind of I had been writing over the past year, maybe even a little less than a, than a year. but yeah, the way I went about it, like, I, I, I mean, I make instrumental music, I do all, all the instruments, uh, there's no singing, there's no lyrics. Um, so I don't often like go right into a song with like, all right, here's this story that I'm going to tell with this song. And now I'm going to write it. I don't really do it like that. I just kind of like write what, what comes naturally. But through over the course of writing all these songs, I was reading the Three Body Problems series and specifically Death's End. And when I kind of look back at the all the songs that I had and the music I had written, I I was like, I I need to like I want to like dedicate the the album to these stories. And I didn't really like sit down and be like, okay, now I'm gonna write a song about the deterrence era. But these books, as I was reading them, had a definitely had a big impact on me uh and every you know it's all connected in one way or another so that's how i kind of decided that the the album is going to be a, a concept album around this so so is the music itself like based off of the ideas or just the titles or is it a combination of both it would be so that the titles definitely are the artwork and the music itself what i did is i took the finished body of of work and I arranged it kind of in a way that would almost be like 
the telling of these the stories in in chronological order, kind of following along with the mm. book. So it was definitely like a a deliberate, you know, decision of what what song is going to be placed where and and what what section of the story does this sound best kind of like represent. Um, that's that's kind of the approach I went at it with. Cool, cool. And did you? Is it totally by by yourself? You did everything, or do you have other people yeah. working with you? Uh no, this was all by my by myself. I, I recorded all at home, kind of like a new uh, project that I've been starting since uh, since COVID, and you know, had a lot of time at home. <laughs> and yeah. this has been a really great outlet for me. And I record everything here. I play everything on guitar. Uh, I program the drums out. I live in an apartment that's not. Yeah, even if I had a drum set here, I, I don't think I'd be miking it up and playing. I live in 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 the city and lots of close neighbors, but yeah, it's all done here. Um, everything except the the artwork, really. Cool. And, and do you have other albums? Or are you working on other albums right now? I had uh, some some other songs that that I released before the hide the hiding gene is is the name of the the concept album. So I had a few songs I released before then, but The Hiding Gene was my most recent one, just came out in on January 15th. And actually I am working on something now and it's almost done and it's a it's a direct follow-up to The Hiding Gene and it's going to be called The Cleansing Gene and oh, it's nice. uh, it's it's more of a it's one song kind of just like a you know, I don't know, like an addendum or like a, a just a a b-side maybe i wouldn't say a b-side but but yeah i love the whole idea of, of of the hiding gene and the cleansing gene and like you've got one or you've you've got the other <laughs> mm, so i'm trying yeah. to represent the cleansing gene is uh cool. going to be a little more aggressive sounding right. than... <laughs> uh and, and, you know this is uh, this is more of my personal interest but like um can you maybe talk a little bit about like the actual like technology that you use, like you know what kind of gear, what kind of uh, programs do you use to actually make the music? Sure, I've been yeah, I've been yeah. thinking I've been getting into as I'm working on a podcast, like watching a lot of videos around audio gear and microphones and that kind of thing. So that's why I'm interested. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, yeah, right here. I so in front of me, I'm on, I'm on my iMac, and I have a Focusrite audio interface. It's just a Scarlett two. It's so mm -hmm. it has two inputs. I could do either a, a quarter inch. Uh, jack for my guitar, my electric guitar, or my electric bass. I can also plug in XLR, so I have a microphone, although I didn't really do anything with the microphone on my most, on my, any of my other music, because there's, you know, I didn't really mic up any, everything was digital, so I plugged the guitar in. I use Reaper is my uh, DAW on my computer that I use and everything that you hear as far as like a guitar amp or that's all digital there's it's all through amp sims um, the drums are all through a program called uh, addictive drums which is all MIDI based drums and then I have a keyboard right here in front of me a Nectar Impact LX49 plus and it's a a MIDI keyboard, but it also has drum pads on it. So 
mm. on the last album, some of the drum beats I tapped out with my fingers. Some of them I used a mouse and keyboard and I clicked them in onto a grid to make the beat. And uh, a lot of it's a combination of those two. Uh, cool. What am I leaving out here? Yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. I can send you a, a, like a picture video afterwards if you know. If yeah, you're definitely. Curious <laughs> too what the setup looks like for sure. Cool. Yeah. So, how did you did you have to go like how did you learn how to do all that stuff? Just self taught, or did you actually go to any kind of classes or anything? Well, actually, so actually, uh, I went to to college. My first couple of years were for sound recording technology, okay. there, but I ended up switching majors from that over to music business. But I did mm. pick up, and I've always played in bands. I've always played drums, played guitar, and the bands have always recorded our stuff. So I've been in studios and, you know, watching over the shoulder of the engineer and asking questions. And uh, so I always kind of had like this little background fundamental knowledge of it, which definitely made it a lot easier when I actually bought my own equipment and sat down. It was tons of YouTube videos, YouTube tutorials, <laughs> which is amazing. And yeah. uh, Reddit. <laughs> specifically for reaper the program i i use has a a really good reddit community on there asked tons of questions watched tons of youtube videos and like was really amazed at what i could learn from youtube cool um so yeah last question is just uh you know, any recommendations or, or things that you're looking for like read next and you know read or watch or anything that you would recommend to people who are already fans of, of the three body uh, series. Yeah. Um, let me see. I actually pulled open my Kindle like library to see what, uh, what I've read recently that I really liked. And I would have to say, you know, what I really liked was rendezvous with Rama by Arthur C. Clarke. Hmm. I don't, have you read that one? I haven't, but I, I, I love 2001, the movie. So, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. I like this was like, this was really cool. I guess it's a series of books, but every recommendation that I saw was saying, just read the first one. Don't bother with any of the other ones, which mm -hmm. I liked. Cause I was like, okay, that's not as like, like one book I can do. It's not as big of a commitment to start a series of books. Yeah. I loved it because, cause Arthur C. Clarke goes, into describing at great length kind of uh they're basically discover um exploring an ancient uh spaceship or something some type of thing in space that they find they go investigate they go inside of it but they're just describing in very much the same hard sciencey type of way what it would be like and they go very much into i'm trying to like <laughs> say it without spoiling anything from the book but um some of the same things that I just read, like I just read a part in Three Body Problem where uh, he goes into the game, into the V-suit, and he plays the game. And it's where one of the, the suns and one of the stars comes so close to the planet that they're on that he's mm -hmm. looking up in the sky and the sun fills the entire sky. And it's, he says all of a sudden it's as if he's, instead of looking up, he's falling down towards it. Right. And that type of like perspective and change there's a lot of that in rendezvous with rama which is why i i like it and i'd recommend it okay well again uh thank you very much for your time i really appreciate it 
Is there any way that, that you, people should connect with you online or find your find your work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so you can listen to all of my music at thoughttrials.com. And you can also kind of stay, I get, I'm most active on Instagram. My name there is Thought Trials. <laughs> so if you just do at symbol Thought Trials, you'll find me there and you can talk to me there too, if you'd like. Great. Well, thank you again very much. I appreciate your time. Um, If you would like to participate in the series going forward, please leave comments uh, by emailing us at rehydrate at fastmail.com or on Twitter at rehydratepod. Thanks again. Thanks, Dan.